1 Samuel chapter 11. Chapter 11. I had a, a note the other day from somebody and he quoted a verse in 1 John chapter 3. And uh, verse 3. It's only one chapter in 3 John. 3 John. 3rd book of John. But the, the third verse says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. And then he went on to say in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And that's what we want to do. We want to walk in the truth of God's word. That was John's desire for the people he had left and the people he wrote to, his children in Christ, was that they walked in the truth. That should be our desire, that we should walk in the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if we're walking in the truth, we must be walking in Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus said. Without the way there is no going, without the, tr the truth there is no knowing, without the life there is no living. I am the way, the truth and the life, that's what Jesus said. And as we study God's word this morning, may he teach us the way and the truth of his word through Jesus Christ. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 11. 1 Samuel chapter 11. We're only going to read a few verses, but we will be reading other passages uh, throughout the, the rest of the talk. Verse 1. Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, and we saw last week he didn't just answer them ordinarily, he answered them in a very proud and haughty manner. On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days respite, that we may send messengers unto all the coasts of Israel, and then if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Then came the messengers to Gibeah of Saul and told the tidings in the ears of the people and all the people lifted up their voices and wept. We saw last week that the children of Israel and especially those in this place Jabesh Gilead were not walking in the ways of the Lord. John's desire was that they walked in the truth the people he, he had written to. But the people here in Jabesh were not walking in the ways of truth or ways of God. They were living, living, we saw, in a dangerous place. These were part of the tribe of Manasseh who hadn't gone over into the promised land. They were living on the borders of the promised land in a dry and rocky place. That's what it meant. A dry place and a rocky place. They were not walking in the ways of the Lord. And so because they were in this place. It's not surprising that they got into trouble. And this man. Nahash. Whose name meant a serpent. Attacked them. And if we're not walking in the ways of God. We'll be attacked by the serpent. By Satan. 
And so we'll carry on with what happens this week. These people had decided that the way out of their problems was to make a covenant with the enemy. To, they say, make a covenant with us. They pleaded with the one who was their enemy that they wanted to have a covenant with them. And that's the root of the problem. And that's the root of the problem sometimes with us, with me. Compromise. Make a covenant with the enemies of God. Let's look and see what God had said to Israel right at the very start. Exodus 34 verse 12. Take heed to thyself. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest lest it be a snare in the midst of thee don't make a covenant with the people in the land you're going into this land don't make a covenant with the people we are living in the world don't make a covenant with the people that's what they're saying go on to verse 15 lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they go a-whoring after their gods and do sacrifice unto their gods and one call thee and thou eat of his sacrifice. As well as making a covenant now, they were worshipping. God said, don't make a covenant because it's on the downward track. Not only making a covenant with them, but also worshipping their gods and making sacrifice to them. And did it happen? It did. If you go to Judges chapter 10 and verse 6. And these people, we noticed in verse 1 they were Ammonites. But in Judges 10 verse 6, the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And served Balaam and Ashtoreth, Ashtoreth the God where we get Easter from, pagan festival. And the gods of Syria, and the gods of Sidon, and the gods of Moab, and the gods of the children of Ammon. The gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and served not him. Exactly as God said it would be if they made a covenant with the people in the land. Israel was doing exactly the opposite to what God had said. And God had explained, you know, why he had chosen the children of Israel. It's a lovely, a lovely passage. He wanted Israel to be different. He wanted them to be a blessing to the people and the nations round about. But on many occasions they were the exact opposite. Deuteronomy 14. Turn to Deuteronomy. In chapter 14 we read... In verse 2, God speaking. It's interesting actually the previous verse. Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourselves nor make any boldness between your eyes for the dead. Weren't to mutilate their bodies. He walked behind a guy the other day. And he must have had about 15 bits of metal hanging out of his ears and his nose. and his, It was incredible. 
always pity these fellows who have tattoos because they have to wear vests with no sleeves and able to get their shirts over the earliest possible occasion to expose all these tattoos. But there we are. This is the verse I want to read. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. God hath picked them out. And if you go back to chapter 7, verse 6, For thou art an holy people. God repeats it again and again and again. Thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, nor ye were, for ye were the fewest of all the people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of the bondman, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, and repayeth them that hate him to their face, to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him, he will repay him to his face. Thou shalt Therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass if ye hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenants and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. What a wonderful thing had happened to these people. What does it say? Go back. They were to be an holy people unto the Lord. A people set apart. A different people. We saw in the verse in, in chapter 14. A peculiar people. Special. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people. For him. Oh they, they didn't realize it. They went the opposite directions. But God had a fantastic future for these people. And still has. They were selected by God. In verse 7 it says, He set his love upon them. God loved them. He chose them. Why? Well, not because they were more in number than any other people. They were fewer in number. But, in verse 8, because the God loved them. That's why. God loved them. He was a covenant-keeping God. He would keep his oath that he had sworn to their fathers. Abraham had been told that these people would inherit this land. He gave them that land. Still their land. And it says he redeemed them. They had been under that wicked bondman, Pharaoh. But he had redeemed them out of that land. And because, it says, God is a faithful God that keeps his promises. Oh, thank God we have a faithful God who keeps his promises. When he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, we can bank on that. Because he won't. 
therefore, this is it, therefore it says, keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. And what happened? They want a king. Oh, we're fed up with God leading us. Hasn't worked. Give us a king. Give us a king. They failed miserably, didn't they? They made alliances. They worshipped strange gods. They allowed their children to intermarry. They offered their children in heathen practices. They were permitted, God permitted them to be attacked and under the control of the Philistines and all the others time after time after again and again and they repented and came back to God and they, the next time they were just as bad as the previous time until they were taken away. One group by the Assyrians and the other group by the Babylonians. And, and, and just as God had foretold that they would be taken into captivity. Oh, they, they grieved God. They tested him to the full. So what? What has that got to do with us today? This happened to the children of Israel. It's a good story and it's a sad story. But what about us? Look. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved us. He loved us so much. He set his heart on us. He loved us and he sent his son to die for us. And he has redeemed us. He had redeemed Israel out of the land of Egypt. And that lamb that was slain was a, a picture, a fantastic picture of what the lamb of God was going to do. He was going to redeem us from the sin and the bondman, Satan by his precious blood who gave himself it says in Titus 2.14 who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity we're very privileged and purify unto himself listen a peculiar people it said in Deuteronomy that he wanted his people the Jews to be a peculiar a special and he wants you and he wants me to be special that's why Jesus came to redeem us to redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works are we zealous of good works we're, 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 we're saved not by works but we're saved to produce good works for God that the world may see and glorify him not glorify you and in 1st Peter what does it say 1st Peter 2 verse 9 ye are a royal priesthood a royal priesthood we're an holy nation you and me he's talking about a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, into his marvellous light. We were in darkness, but we have been brought into the light of the knowledge of God. And listen, he gave the reasons to the Jews, didn't he? It wasn't because they were the biggest, it was, in fact, they were the smallest, and it wasn't because of this, it was that. 
It was because he loved them. Why has God poured out his love and his blessing upon you and me? Well, if you go to 1 Corinthians, you'll see why it wasn't. First chapter of 1 Corinthians. Verse 26. Your calling. He's talking about the calling which these Corinthians had. And he says it wasn't because, he says, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. It wasn't because you were wise, it wasn't because you were mighty, it wasn't because you were noble. But God hath chosen you because you're foolish. We were foolish, we were strayed away from God, we were with, without life, without hope in the world. But he says, God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things that are mighty. What a privilege to have been chosen by God, not for anything in me, but because he loved me and wanted me to be special for him, to be a peculiar person for him. Why did he love me? I never can tell. Why did he suffer to save me from hell? Nothing but infinite grace from above could have conceived such a story of love. Grace, grace, infinite grace flowing to you and me. Grace, grace, infinite grace from the cross of Calvary. And he goes on in verse 30 to show us what we are in Jesus Christ. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Paul says, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we become Christians... We are, given, we are given the wisdom of God. We have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow. We have to have that humble mind that Jesus Christ had. Let this mind be in you. Then it goes on to say elsewhere, we have the mind of Christ. His Holy Spirit comes and dwells with us and we have God in us. Emmanuel, God with us. We have the wisdom of God, the mind of Christ. We are made righteous before a holy God. Not through any merits of ours, but through the death of Jesus Christ. We are sanctified. We're made holy. We're a people set apart for the use of God. The, in the temple, the, the utensils were sanctified. They were set apart for the use and worship of God. We are vessels which have been who have been sanctified and who are set apart, or should be, set apart for the 
the use of God. And we have been redeemed. Those people that said in Deuteronomy they had been redeemed. We have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in a position. And you know we are in a far more privileged position than those Israelites. They were looking forward. Something that they knew very little about. The cross of Jesus Christ. We can look back to Calvary. And see what Christ has done for us. And we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We're, we're special. We're special. Jesus when he was speaking and praying to his father in the Lord's Prayer. What should be called the Lord's Prayer in John 17. That high priestly prayer to his father. He says in verse 23. I in them and thou in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me. And hast loved them as thou hast loved me. I, I was read that verse a few times last night. And it, it's quite amazing. It's an amazing verse. Listen to what it says. I in them and thou in me. We're all... It's, 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 we're all together. It's, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and listen to this, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Isn't that amazing? God, Jesus said, that the world may know that thou hast sent them, and the world may know that thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. That's fantastic. God loves me that much. Then he goes on to say, you go back a bit in that chapter, it says, sanctify them. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The only way we can keep close to God is by walking in the truth and being sanctified, constantly washed by the truth of God's word. And if we stray away from that, we're in trouble. That's what happened to the, 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 the Israel. They strayed away from the commandments of God. This is the only commandment that we have, the word of God. And if we stray away from that, we're in trouble. The Israelites were to have separated themselves from the evil practices around about them. And so should we. No covenants with Belial was the, 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 the order of the day for the Israelites. No covenants. No contact with those who promote such things. And we should do likewise. Sadly that isn't the case. Sadly that isn't the case. If you speak about doctrine today, people say that doctrine divides. It does. It does. Because if we don't stick to the doctrine of the word of God, we will divide from people. 2 Timothy 4.3 For the time will be when they will not endure sound doctrine, but they will heap up teachers to themselves according to their own lusts tickling the ear. People like to hear things sometimes that they want to hear. But it isn't necessarily good for you. They will not endure sound doctrine. Sad, isn't it? Titus 1.9 Holding fast the faithful word according to the doctrine that he may be able by sound doctrine 
both to exhort and to convict the gainsayers. It's the only way we will convict people is by preaching sound doctrine. Titus 2.1 But thou speak the things which become sound doctrine. And if we stray away from the doctrines of God we end up in trouble. Uh, going back uh, digression slightly but John, that, that passage we read in John it's interesting that one of the problems John had in that epistle was a man called oh, where's it? mentions a fellow in any case who, who was preaching against against him that was the trouble he wasn't afraid to give the man's name and he said when I go oh, Diotrephes who loveth to have the preeminence among them receiveth us not imagine not receiving the apostle John this man was boastful it says it later on he was going to sort him out when he arrived they were straying away even at that early stage from the doctrines of the apostle we need to make sure that we stick to the doctrines of scripture and so if someone is not teaching sound doctrine what are we meant to do what are we meant to do Romans 16 17 and 18 now I beseech you brethren mark them which cause divisions and offenses oh yes that will be taken out of context quite often you're causing division mark that person but listen read on what it says mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them oh, Paul says if somebody's not in line with scripture don't make a covenant with them avoid them avoid them for such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and their and by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple avoid them 2 Thessalonians 3.6 now we command you brethren in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which ye received of us withdraw and there are others, but we won't overstress that. We need to make sure that we are walking in the truth. Let's get back to First Samuel. Strayed a little bit away from him, I'm afraid. I was listening to Thought for the Day. I usually listen to Thought for the Day on, on Radio 4, the Today program. And Joel Edwards, I think his name is, he's the Evangelical Alliance General Secretary or... or, or president or something but he was on the radio for yesterday morning and I have a problem with sometimes with, with speakers they speak about the church when they mean the churches and they speak about the churches when they should be talking about the church and you never really know what, what they're talking about but he, he mentioned that the church and I think he meant the churches have lost uh, credence in the eyes of the world and, and many, many churches have. But I don't think the church of Jesus Christ has. God is, Jesus said, I am building my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
his church is not under threat, but the churches are. And he, he gave some reasons why. But I think in, in these few verses here, we see one reason why perhaps this man, Nahash, who I said his name meant serpent, was so arrogant. Israel were, was powerless. The people in Manasseh, they were powerless because they were prepared to make a covenant with him. God had told them not to. But they, had, they lacked that power. They had, as we have seen, Israel was in a terrible state at this stage. The Ark of the Covenant was in a backwater, being looked after by one man. The tabernacle at Shiloh obviously was, was useless. The priests were going through some rituals there, but the Ark wasn't there. Ichabod, the glory had departed. And every man did what was right in his own eyes. So things were bad. And here they were compromising with the enemy. And because of that, they had no respect in the eyes of the enemy. Because they were powerless. They, the God was their leader. God was the one who, who gave them that power. And they had rejected him. They wanted a king. There's a verse in Nahum which says, Thy shepherd slumber, O king of Assyria, thy nobles shall dwell in the dust, thy people is scattered upon the mountains, and no man gathereth them. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? The leaders, the shepherds, slept. Because of that, the sheep were scattered on the mountains. That's the trouble. In a lot of places today. The shepherds slumber. And the sheep are scattered. That's what had happened in Israel. And so this man Nahash the Ammonite. Was quite prepared to grant a stay of execution for seven days. Oh don't do anything to us. Give us seven days. And then we'll come back. If we can't get anybody to help us. We'll come back and we'll agree to your terms. You can put out our right eyes. And he said, yes, I'll give you seven days. He thought that these people were powerless. C.H. Burgeon has a very good quotation about compromise. You see, this man realized that the Jabesh Gileadites were prepared to compromise. Because of that, they didn't have power. Here's what Spurgeon says. Complicity with error will take from the best of men the power to enter any successful protest against it. I'll read that again. Complicity with error will take from the best of men the power to enter any successful protest against it. Fellowship with known and vital error is participation in sin. As soon as I saw or thought I saw that error had become firmly established, I did not deliberate but quitted the body at once. Since then, my counsel has been come out from among them. I have felt that no, great, no protest could be equal to that of distinct separation from known evil. 
that I might not stultify my testimony, I have cut myself clear of those who err from the faith and even from those who associate with them. And look at the testimony C.H. Spurgeon left behind. A man who was godly and preached the truth. This man Nahash must have been very arrogant to allow them to do this thing. The elders of Jabesh Gilead then in verse 3 they sent messengers throughout Israel to obtain help and then the, the messengers came to, to Gibeah of Saul or Gibeah of Saul and told the tidings in the ears of the people and the people lifted up their voices and wept. Oh dear, look what's happened. Isn't it sad? It is only when we are having problems mostly of our own making, that we cry about them. Don't cry very much these days. And then turn to God. I'm going to have to digress a little bit here. You probably said we digressed all day, but just briefly. When we look at the connection, and it's necessary to, to, to look at this bit of a connection here for uh, future weeks just so if you don't mind I'll just go back a little bit here Jabesh Gilead and Gibeah what was the connection between these two places now when you go home I think I've said it before read Judges 19 and 20 I think it is 19 and 20 strange stories and strange events took place in those chapters there was a Levite and his concubine and they were traveling through the land and they arrived towards evening at this place called Gabeah in the in the land of Benjamin it was in the tribe of Benjamin and finding nowhere to lodge they decided they'd stay on the street but an old man came and says no you can't stay on the street come into my place and he brought them in and he fed the asses and he gave them a meal and while they were sitting relaxing bunch of sodomites came and banged on the door and they wanted the old man to give them the Levite and after much toing and froing they put the concubine outside she was abused all night and she died next morning the man took the concubine and he went back to his hometown and he cut her up into pieces and he sent a portion to each tribe, obviously with some explanation. There was a convention called, and the, the, the convention of the tribes demanded that these men from Gabeah would be handed over. But they wouldn't hand them over, and, and, and Benjamin was accused. And the rest of Israel took up arms against the tribe of Benjamin. And as a result of the, res the, the battles that took place after that, I think it was about 65,000 people were killed. And the tribe of Benjamin was practically annihilated. From being about halfway down the league table in numbers, it was reduced and reduced to practical extinction. 600 men escaped and they hid themselves. But then eventually the, 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 the other tribes decided that they would have a truce. This is a very abbreviated uh, 
thing. I hope I've got it right. They, 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 they had a truce and they said, no, we, we'd have to sort of bring Benjamin back into the fold. And so they, they had to get wives. They had to look for wives. And they called another convention. And when they, they uh, had this convention again, they, they looked to see who hadn't arrived. And the people from Jabesh Gilead hadn't come to this convention. And they said they're very arrogant. They should be here. So they sent an army out to Jabesh Gilead to attack them for not appearing at the convention. And they found 400 virgins in Jabesh. And they brought them back and gave them to the 600 men of the tribe of Benjamin. And then there were still 200 short. And the strange thing was that there was a festival at Shiloh. And these girls came out to dance at the festival. And they went up and they, 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 they grabbed 200 of these girls and brought them back. And the, four, the 600 men had brides. It's, it's a very strange story. And that's why Saul was able to say to Samuel, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my father the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. It became the smallest tribe, nearly annihilated. Strange story. Look into it someday. So there was a connection between these men of Jabesh Gilead and Gibeah. There was a, a, a strange connection. It was because of Gibeah that a lot of the trouble had started. So when these messengers arrived at Gibeah of Saul, they reckoned it was just called Gabeah of Saul after Saul had been made king and, and going back over the records. Uh, and they told the tidings to the ears of the people and all the people lifted up their voices and wept because they had a, a, a very... The people in, in Gabeah were, were very thankful because the people from Jabesh had helped in reviving their whole tribe. And that's the story of, of what happened at Gabir. But you know, I was trying to think, you know, where, what does that, what does that, how could we get anything out of that story? It seems so complicated. But we see another aspect here of the people from Jabesh Gilead. They were arrogant. They didn't want fellowship with the rest of the tribe. They didn't go up to the convention. All Israel was called together, but they said, no, we don't want to go. But you know, they were living in a rocky and dry place. And if we are living in a rocky and dry place, sadly, we don't want fellowship with other Christians. We're not comfortable in the company of other Christians. We become comfortable with being in the world. We're more comfortable being in the world than we are in the fellowship of other Christians. But you know, the sad thing also is 
the people in Jabesh Gilead, they weren't comfortable with the Christians. They were not comfortable with uh, the people of the world. They were attacking them. They were in a complete wilderness. And God had wanted them to be so special. But they didn't want to be even mixing with their own fellow tribesmen. We need, as Christians, to stop living in the borders. We need to accept our position in Christ Jesus. I was looking for a verse, a, a, a hymn. I hope I have it here. I'm sitting in his presence, the sunshine of his face, while with adoring wonder his blessings I retrace. It seems as if eternal days are far too short to sound his praise. We saw last, last week that our position is with Christ in the heavenlies. That's where we are. This, this man who wrote this hymn has got the idea. I'm sitting in his presence. The sunshine of his face. While with adoring wonder his blessings I will trace. We need to realize our position in Christ Jesus as Christians. And live in that attitude. That we are living daily in the presence of God. I'm living on the mountain underneath a cloudless sky. I'm drinking at the fountain that never shall run dry. I'm feasting on the manna of a bountiful supply, for I am dwelling in Beulah land. We're dwelling with Christ in the heavenlies. That's our position as Christians. Just finally, just a couple more references. If you go to Isaiah 62... God speaking to Israel looking at a future time nevertheless in verse 3 thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God that's the way he wanted them to be always thou shalt no more be termed forsaken neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate but thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and, the, and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. Just let me read a different translation. You shall no more be termed forsaken, for your land shall no more be termed desolate. But ye shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you. And your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a virgin. So shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride. So shall your God rejoice over you. Israel was the wife of Jehovah. And we the church. We are the bride of Christ. And he delights in us. Hebrews 12 verse 2 Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of God. God could see something beautiful in us and the Lord Jesus Christ for the joy that was set before him what did he do? He endured the cross. He despised the shame. Because he loved us. And he is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And one day 
He is going to break through those clouds and he is going to come to take us to be with himself and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen.